the award-winning Your Financial Editor program on 930 WFMD, news from the worlds of business and finance, with your financial editor, Chris Murray. Welcome to another edition of the Your Financial Editor program right here on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD, WFMD WFMD.com, and of course, you can go to Apple Podcast and get the program as a podcast there. Check out all of the previous shows that we've done. Um, I am Chris Murray, your host. Thanks so much for being with us. Hope your weekend's going well. Happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there, grandmoms, you aunts, uh, sisters, all of you. Uh, Happy Mother's Day. Hope you have a really special weekend. Uh, We've got a good program laid out for you today. Uh, Obviously, it's just been a crazy week with the financial markets, economic data, the Federal Reserve, uh, you name it. And uh, it was going on this week, it seemed. So we're going to talk about the top stories, the economic data, and then we're going to drill down a little deeper into inflation, how it's impacting people's income and their livelihood, um, how it's impacting along with the volatility in the financial markets, people's uh, financial planning, their retirement planning, all that is uh, teed up for today. So hope you're able to settle in and be with us. It's going to be uh, worth it. And we'll start out with some of these, um, top stories. You know, employment, which, by the way, we'll get to the uh, jobs report that was out yesterday in just a little bit. But what we saw earlier in the week was a record number of American workers quit their jobs as of the last business day of March, while the number of job openings rose to an all-time high. So the Labor Department said that in its monthly job openings and labor turnover survey, or the acronym is JOLTS, um, that job openings, which are a measure of labor demand, rose 205,000 to 11.5 million on the last day of March. That's the highest level in the history of the data that they've uh, taken in for that. Also, the number of quits rose to a record high of 4.5 million. So one uh, economic analyst was making the point that uh, the employment situation should give workers continued confidence, but obviously it poses challenges for um, managers and business owners out there. Um, And then Bill Dunkelberg who is the NFIB chief economist. He's been on the program before. I saw that uh, he was making comments like owners have continued to increase their compensation um, to attract the right employees for their open positions. However, the rising labor costs are going to be passed on to their consumers through higher selling prices. So that's where we're getting some inflation, some of that inflation from uh, as well. Um, Also, I thought was very encouraging this week, um, the number, you know, of U.S. job openings at that record high of 11.5 million at the end of March. One silver lining is trade schools are finding a growing demand for their low-cost, low-time commitment programs that really do produce uh, big payouts for uh, those students. So when you look at student enrollment among things in areas like agriculture, construction, transportation, uh, those schools have increased up to 40 percent 
according to some data that I saw this week from the National Student Clearinghouse. Um, So many of these programs require just one year of training. They typically cost less than $16,000. While you look at a traditional four-year college institution, you're looking at $100,000 plus, easy plus. So you've got these uh, students in these various areas that I mentioned, like uh, transportation, construction, agriculture. And apparently, when they get out and graduate after that year or less, right now they're talking about 20 jobs for every graduate is available. So it's a great um, employee market out there. And again, they're uh, getting to work sooner as opposed to being in school for four years. If they're doing this in a year or less, Uh, they're, you know, making money sooner. Uh, Some of the 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 payroll and salaries are just very, very, very attractive. So that was really good to hear. And obviously we need uh, those people. Uh, to learn those uh, skills, to learn them correctly, and then to be there uh, when we need something done. So encouraging. I also saw this week that uh, the CEO of General Motors, Mary Barra, uh, she was emphasizing the impact of this global microchip shortage that we have and, and the, you know, the impact in particular on the supply uh, she, you know, she's saying that um, they're still seeing some constraints in products. She thinks that people are going to continue to see there's not a huge availability of vehicles, and that's leading to stronger prices, which we all know with especially used uh, vehicles at all-time highs. And she's saying that a big reason why supply is in such short uh, demand is the ongoing global chip shortage that uh, has been you know, it's been going on for a couple years now, um, especially relying on these Asian countries for these chips. She thinks it's going to continue to be an impact and it's going to last into 2023. So for all of those who were uh, supporting, promoting, um, learning more about the supply chain, and the the distribution chain and the importance of bringing that back to our shores, this is just one more example and fact. Um, You know, you start thinking about what China may do with Taiwan and then them jamming up the South Sea, uh, South China Sea, uh, and preventing even more stuff from getting here. We're already seeing it because of the uh, mandatory lockdowns that they have in China and how that's impacting the ports and slowing things down. So for us to be able to manufacture and control much, much, uh, to have much more control over the distribution and supply chain, I think it's critical. And again, I think if you take North America um, with people that are our biggest trading partners and um, that we can rely on 
to a, a large degree, not totally, but to a large degree. Um, I, I think that that would be a great, um, great step to take or another step to take. I know we have a lot of that, but I, it really needs to be strengthened. And this is a perfect example uh, why um, with the price of vehicles and these chips are in everything now. I mean, they're in smart appliances. You know, people are waiting six and nine months for a dishwasher. So, um, and that's just the chip. That's not including all the other things that um, are being held up as well. So, um, you know, we're dealing with these energy prices, of course, diesel fuel at an all-time high. What does that mean? Um, You know, if you're not used to diesel or you don't know what it smells like or whatever, it's not a big deal. Just think of it this way. It's what truckers use. So that diesel fuel being at uh, all-time record highs, that all of a sudden involves the trucking cost and the transportation cost. Well, guess who that impacts? Us as consumers. Because those prices have to be passed along. And here's what's really frustrating. You know, we went from energy independence and really growing on that and getting stronger and exporting uh, even more energy. But then we heard a couple days ago that OPEC and their allies uh, stuck to a small planned increase in production. That was on Thursday, I saw at their meeting. Um, They've got windfall revenue from these prices. It's boosting the economies of Saudi Arabia and other producers out there, and it's crushing us, especially the poor, those on fixed income, those single moms out there with high gas prices, high energy prices across the board. So, you know, we're dealing with all that and the cartel, it's OPEC plus, but they are cartel, agreed uh, to last year um, what they were going to do. They actually started those incremental um, increases. Actually, they haven't started them yet. It's not until June. So um, they've had repeated calls in the recent months from us, and they won't even take those phone calls from Biden, from this White House, they don't even pick up. So it's just going to, you know, continue to be pain at the pump. Um, Even if prices, you know, oil prices start to come down a little bit, you're not going to see me jumping up and down and getting excited because it's down four cents or whatever. It should be down dramatically. It should have never gotten to this number. This is self-inflicted. And like I said, you've got the Saudis, the um, United Arab Emirates and others. They've got spare capacity. They could raise production, but they won't. They like these uh, higher prices. They're making money. They even said something that they may have gotten from the White House. Believe it or not, they said that uh, beefing up output would actually raise prices, not lower not lower them. I mean, you know, that's that backwards thinking that we hear too much about these days coming from, um, you know, the Saudis and uh, and others over in the Middle East. And look, I'm not a big poll person. I've always said that. I've been doing the show, this program for 24 and a half years, and I've always said that. But some of them you can't ignore. One was a uh, Fox News poll this week. 
The top two concerns for voters are the future of the country and inflation. They also appear ready to oust the incumbent party in this fall's elections, with 39% favoring the Democrat uh, candidate in their House district and 46% backing the Republican if voting today. And this was published on May the 3rd, just a few days ago. So that seven-point advantage is up from two points just last month. It's the largest um, advantage Republicans have held this year. And um, when you look at this, Fox News says that the models they have suggest this would be a 44-seat swing in the House and an 11-seat swing in the Senate. And I think that's light. Uh, You know, I'd be very surprised if it wasn't more powerful than that. But here's why I'm putting some some faith, you know, into this report. It's the numbers. You know, the number of Americans in this poll saying the economy is in positive shape has obviously declined since Biden took office. Only 21 percent rate conditions positively. 77% rate the economy in a negative way. And two-thirds think inflation will continue to be a major issue for at least another year. So when you look at 77% saying the economy is negative, their view on the economy, and then you say two-thirds, 66%, think inflation will continue to be a major issue for at least another year, You're not anywhere near the margin of error. I don't care how you ask that question. That's something that, like I said, that's a poll that you can't dismiss because the numbers are just staggering. So um, it's just crazy. And we've got some economic data on the other side of this. By the way, our topic today, one of them is, is inflation. And um, that's our white paper that we've had on the website for you for uh, for a few weeks, and it'll stay up there. Right now, you can still get it. It's titled, Will the Biden Presidency Influence Stock Markets? We're seeing that play out. It's a look at parties, politics, and potential returns. Um, actually, I think we put it up about five weeks ago. Uh, it, it helps give you... Um, an idea about inflation, about taxes, and how this all plays out, go to murrayfinancialgroup.com. It's right on the homepage there, right on the, the, the very first page. You just click on the download button. You get a complimentary download to your email, and it'll help you understand even more what's going on right now. And we'll dive into that on the other side of this with some of that economic data. But you can go to murrayfinancialgroup.com. And it's right there on the homepage. Will the Biden presidency influence stock markets? Fulfilling your local appetite for news and talk. Is someone hungry? 930 WFMD.
Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And also you can grab the program as a podcast. Just go to Apple Podcast and uh, and get it there. A lot of economic data this week. Just crazy week overall, right? For sure. Um, we look at the beginning of the week, the U.S. factory activity report that came out uh, from the ISM. Uh, grew at its slowest pace in more than one and a half years last month. So it was still positive. It was up uh, to a reading of 55.4. If you're above 50, you're growing. If you're below it, you're contracting. But it dropped from the 57.1 reading that we saw back in March. That's a second straight uh, monthly decline in the index. It also reflects uh, spending rotating back to uh, services like travel, dining out, recreation, things of that nature. Um, and also, you know, the, those lockdowns that I talked about in Shanghai, you know, that's some 25 million people stuck indoors for more than a month. And uh, some of them are sealed, you know, inside fenced off residential compounds. And, and people are saying that that, that actually uh, is coming into play more and more, especially the longer uh, it goes on. Um, we also saw the Commerce Department say on Monday that uh, construction spending, it edged up a little bit. It was up um, one-tenth of one percent. Um, so that's the good news. The bad news is... Uh, Economists had forecast a seven-tenths of a percent increase. So obviously that was a a big uh, disappointment there. Spending on private construction projects gained uh, in March. Uh, Investment in residential construction increased. Single-family home building spending, that was up. Um, And then you saw the spending on multifamily housing projects actually drop a little bit, but uh, that report was had more good than, than bad in it. Um, also, the Commerce Department said at the beginning of the week, I think it was on Tuesday, that factory orders were up 2.2% in March. So uh, that was double what economists uh, were looking for. Uh, you know, again, manufacturing, you get into this area of the ISM manufacturing um, and the factory orders, you're talking about 12% of the U.S. economy these days when you come to manufacturing. And it is facing, again, those headwinds from what's going on over in China with their zero tolerance to COVID and how, uh, unfortunately, their people are getting tore up in a couple ways. One, um, by the virus. Uh, Two, by the lockdowns and three, just by the uh, communist Chinese party that, you know, is uh, is cruel in in its own own light for sure. Um, So these kind of things are, you know, are happening and uh, it's impacting economies and financial markets, even though obviously it's a health and social issue. Uh, but the other thing that we just really didn't want to see is the U.S. trade deficit uh, actually hit a record in March. We were upside down by $109.8 billion for one month alone. So March was the first time in U.S. history that a monthly deficit surpassed $100 billion. And um, that's obviously having an impact on our um 
gross domestic product or GDP. We saw that in the uh, the first quarter that had a big impact on the GDP number, which, of course, was negative down one point four percent. A lot of people were talking about recession. Um, so, again, d- just in case you didn't know or as a reminder, um, the actual definition of a recession is two quarters back to back of negative economic growth, negative GDP numbers. So we had that in the first quarter, minus 1.4%. And obviously, if we get that for a negative reading for this quarter, then, you know, technically we're in a recession. So then what happens after that is it begs the question, and it may already be in a recession. um, What happens then is the questions turn to, okay, we're in a recession. How long is it going to be? How deep is that recession? You know, how much pain? Um, And you hear, uh, well, actually, we heard from the Fed this week. So I have a couple other pieces of economic data, and then we'll jump on that that Fed uh, meeting. It was a two-day meeting, and um, we'll do that on the other side of the news break. Again, you can go to murrayfinancialgroup.com. And uh, right there on the homepage, uh, click the download button and you'll get our white paper. Will the Biden presidency influence stock markets? Obviously, yes. But when you look into the re, uh, the white paper, you'll see why. It's a look at parties. It's a look at politics, uh, potential returns, that kind of thing. And you'll be um, even more educated and up to speed on what's happening. And like I said, we'll do the economic data and the Fed stuff uh, on the other side of this. Inside them back Florida pines, there's a town with a Choctaw name. There's a little white church in a real tight curve on the edge of a field full of grain. It's your financial editor with Chris Murray on 930 WFMD. back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcast. Uh, again, uh, happy Mother's Day to uh, all you moms, grandmoms, aunts, sisters, uh, everybody out there. Hope you're having a, a good weekend and really enjoy yourself tomorrow because uh, I'm sure you deserve it. So um, we were talking about the, the economic data um, defining a recession. We've already had one quarter of negative growth in the United States. If we have another one back to back in the second quarter, uh, that's technically a recession. Um, one of the things also that we saw in the first quarter of this year was labor productivity. It really plunged. It was down 7.5% in the first quarter. That was information that I saw on Thursday that came from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. So the figure marks the largest quarterly decline since 1947. So some of these numbers you just don't want anything to do with. 
uh, on top of the productivity. In other words, what's accomplished in an hour's time. Uh, you saw the unit labor cost go up. They jumped 11.6% during the first quarter. Um, so, you know, this, again, this rise in labor cost um, gets passed on to you. And what's frustrating is you you see a decline in productivity, so you're paying more for less if you're a business owner. and uh, and, and yet, you know, you, you can't eat all of those costs, so they get passed on our Expenses go up, our our costs go up. Hence, you see this insane inflation that we haven't had at this level f- for 41 years. And at 8.5% for the uh, consumer price index, the CPI, which, by the way, comes out, I want to say it's next Wednesday. I saw it on the calendar. Uh, people are really going to be holding their breath over that one for sure. And then when we look at the jobs situation. You know, we talked earlier about that 11.5 million uh, job openings number and the four and a half million record high quit number. Um, it's it's really tough out there. And then we saw initial. So when we look, if we focus on this for a minute, we saw initial jobless claims come out um, this week. And, and for for last week's number, so initial jobless claims were up to a reading of two hundred thousand. Uh, that was much more than what uh, economists and analysts were looking for. They were looking for you know, about uh, one hundred eighty-seven thousand. We get two hundred thousand. The previous week's number was revised higher. That's not what we want to see there. But no surprise from the Labor Department and um, and the administration. And then we got a report also from ADP. That's a private report from private sector employment. And it said that um, growth was only 247 uh, jobs in the month of April. That's well below the 395,000 that they were forecasting. Um, America's small businesses cut about 120,000 jobs, according to uh, ADP. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. You see the Labor Department and then ADP. And there's some discrepancy there. You look at the big jobs report that came out yesterday from the Labor Department. That was better than expected. Um, according to them, to the Labor Department, employers added 428,000 jobs in April. Uh, that beat the 391,000 jobs that were forecast by economists. So, um, and the unemployment rate held steady at, at 3.6%. Job gains, it was no surprise to see the biggest increase in job gains was in the virus-battered leisure and hospitality industry, like 78,000 jobs were added there. So uh, that was uh, better than expected. And um, it's just, it's a real roller coaster when when you look at uh, this data that's coming out in that area of, uh, of the job market. So then, you know, we look also, I mentioned we had the two-day meeting at the Federal Reserve, started Tuesday, concluded 
uh, Wednesday afternoon. No big surprise. The Federal Reserve uh, on Wednesday raised interest rates by half of a point. Uh, That half of a point raise, it's the first time we've had a half a point raise in 22 years. So it was widely anticipated. Uh, You saw the markets go up uh, quite a bit. Um, But a lot of that was because some people thought it could be um, three quarters of a percent hike. And that was kind of that relief, like, okay, they didn't do that. So we should be okay now with just this half a percent. But then, of course, more negative data came in and the market uh, started selling um, to to try to price all these things in. It isn't just about interest rates, which, by the way, the Federal Reserve has done a very poor job. Um, They've just done a poor job, period, with what they're supposed to be doing. Um, Because not only have they kept interest rates too low for too long, they've got a massive amount of um, assets on their books, like $9 trillion balance sheet. Um, They doubled the size of that practically nearly um, during the virus as they just were spending money. And this is on top of all the spending that the politicians did. So, you know, we see that it's just a sugar high. And really, people are starting to realize, okay, that's uh, that that punch bowl is getting taken off the table. So apparently not only were they or did they raise interest rates by half of a percent, they kind of outlined a plan for how they're going to wind down that balance sheet, that nine trillion dollars. So starting on uh, June the 1st, they're going to start selling those assets back into the market at a rate of forty seven point five billion for that month. And then they're going to increase that uh, by more over the uh, few months following that, over the summer months. So, um, you know, Jerome Powell goes from using the word transitory way too long. Well, he should have never used it, but, you know, he kept using it and kind of talked to people like they were stupid, Um, you know, kind of patting you on the head type of mentality that these uh, appointed and elected Uh, people do have a habit of doing so he went from saying transitory don't worry about it we know exactly what we're doing to oh my gosh uh my words my hair's on fire uh inflation is much too high his words um is what he was telling reporters and he says that he understands the hardship it is causing and they're moving uh expeditiously to bring it back down well guess what This has been, if you understand the pain, if you really did, then you know everybody's been dealing with it for over a year. So why were you sitting on your hands saying that it was transitory, it wasn't a big deal, instead of raising rates at a steady lower pace when the economy was was stronger? Makes no sense. Um, And I don't care what anybody says. With all of the economists and PhDs and everybody else that works at the Federal Reserve, just another bloated agency, if you're not running models as to potential problems, catastrophes, events, etc., 
so that you actually have a game plan, not just one, but three you can choose from, then you're definitely, you're not doing your job. Um, and they just seemed like they got caught flat-footed, and that made no sense because everybody else saw it. So that's why they've lost so much credibility. And when they say th- something, it's taken as a grain of salt. You know, now he understands. Now they're going to raise interest rates. Now they're going to start selling some of those assets that they bought. Not some. Nine, $9 trillion worth of assets that are on their balance sheet. So just to let you know, that was what was called quantitative easing to prop things up. That's how asset bubbles happen. And Bernanke started it. So we've been on this like 12-year run of them doing this. And we're starting to see the uh, the outcome. The ball of yarn is, uh, is unwinding. So... Um, we're going to get a quick break in here, talk more about that inflation, how it's impacting the markets and volatility, things of that nature. Go to murrayfinancialgroup.com. Right on the homepage, you can get our white paper, Will the Biden Presidency Influence Stock Markets? A look at parties, politics, and potential returns. That's at uh, murrayfinancialgroup.com. And uh, we'll dive into this even more on the other side. Behind some TVs, like a pawn shop castaway, started strumming little nothing. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio, 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcasts and you can grab it there. Um, So as we wrap things up uh, today, we look more at inflation and what it's doing and uh, the things that you can do. Because we all know that a dozen eggs... Loaf of bread, pound of bacon, gallon of milk, gallon of gas, you know, you name it, fill in the blank. Um, Whether it's groceries, food or energy, um, apparel, electronics, automobiles, parts and supplies, everything is up. So, um, you know, people talk about inflation a lot. But uh, it's it's one of those things. It's very boring, generally. Right now, it's not. And it's kind of like staring into a black hole, I've always said. Um, but it's so important that you have this included in your financial and retirement plans because things do get, right now, extremely expensive. But over time, just in a more normalized way, uh, you're going to have costs go up. So that's the shrinking power of your dollar bill, right? what you could uh, spend um, 10 years ago that cost you 92 cents might be a $1.40 now or whatever the case might be, depending on the 
uh, what you're purchasing. But you really have to be prepared for retirement uh Costs going or, or costs going up in retirement, those rising costs. So uh, you always want to factor that in because you'll see that what costs you uh, a certain amount 20 years ago is going to be a whole lot different down the road. And you look at retirements now, for example, and you've got people living 20, 30, 40 plus years in retirement. So that's how you want to focus your plan and make sure that you are included, uh, including these types of things so that everything works out. Because one of the scary things is the question, am I going to outlive my retirement income? And that's something that, that, you know, that people um, obviously are concerned about. Well, if you do your planning right, you'll actually see those numbers on paper. They're your numbers your lifestyle, your amount of assets, your level of uh, social security payment, whatever, you know, all that is, they're your numbers. So that that way you can feel more in control when these kind of things uh, come about. Because again, we're at 41 year highs, um, but that'll come down eventually and hopefully get under control. But you want to make sure that you're planning for it Um it does impact the amount of income that you're getting because if you're on um, a certain amount of, of income per month, let's say, and all these other costs are going up, you're going to have to dip into your extra stash, you know, the money that you've set aside for the rainy day or whatever it might be. That's why, again, for a lot of people, this is tragic. This is very, very uh, tough on them, and, and I really do feel for them because they're making decisions on a daily basis when it comes to food and energy and medicine and childcare and all those kind of things. So, um, it, you know, the better you do with your planning, the, the better off you're going to be. And, again, that report that we have um, on uh, the, the the homepage, will the Biden presidency influence stock markets? That, and also, um, and if you're driving, don't try to write this down, but I just had something, uh, an article published, um, at the beginning of March, I think it was, is titled Income and Inflation um, and the importance of a lot of the things that I've been touching about or talking about and, and, and the points I, that I touched on. Um, you can get that. It's at uh, Advisor Magazine. Um, if you want a copy, just let me know and I'll get it to you. But again, it, it you know, income and inflation is extremely timely right now when you're talking about your uh, retirement income, the expenses out there, uh, taking your required minimum distributions uh, because of the volatility in the market. There's a lot going on. And um, I would, again, suggest that you learn as much as you can. I'm not talking about, you know, getting a degree in inflation or market volatility, but if you just take some of these uh, resources that are available to you at no cost, you can know what inflation is. Actually, in my book, my favorite way of of, uh, describing inflation is a stamp, just a good old U.S. postage stamp. Now, just think about when you were young, and this is different for everybody, 
But think about when you were younger, what a stamp cost. And then over the years as you were growing up, you saw that stamp price increase more and more. It was a steady increase for the most part, but more and more to where we are today. And then, of course, the next increase that we're going to be made aware of. That's how I think, I think that's an extremely easy way of looking at inflation, just kind of making it simple. And instead of getting into all the charts and graphs and, you know, year over year and all that stuff, just think of a stamp. And and now you know why I would assume that, you know, it's, it's important when you're doing your retirement and your financial planning to incorporate inflation into uh, your budget and your planning because um, those costs are going to go up. You know, some things won't go up as much because they'll become commoditized and economies of scale and all that kind of stuff. But in general, just think of a stamp. And if you're retiring today, what is that stamp going to cost 25 or 30 years from now? And that's again, something to, uh, to, to look at, to talk about, to make sure you're incorporating into your, uh, your plans and also just the importance of having a plan. Cause I, I mean, I've been doing this for 32 years and it's, it's, I don't know how you don't have a plan when you go into retirement, uh, especially when you get this volatility and when you get, uh, this crazy inflation and when you get the type of policies that are coming from inside the Washington Beltway, I mean, it's just one gut punch after another. So you want to make sure that uh, your ducks are in line and that you, uh, you have everything squared away as best as possible because that way when these uh, issues pop up, you can always go back to your plan and say, oh, okay, you know, I need to adjust a couple things, or yeah, we uh, accounted for that, and we're good to go, even though all this clickbait and crazy 24-7 uh, cable news coverage and everyone becoming an expert all of a sudden on uh, this subject just because it's hot to talk about, you can just turn all that noise off and know that you have a plan and that it's your plan. It's not some cookie cutter template. It's it's for you and your family. And for not even that, just that, but also your legacy. You know, that's part of it too. So take advantage of the resources you can get. Like I said, if you want a copy of uh, the article uh, that I had published uh, on income and inflation, just let me know. Uh, you can go also as far as market volatility, you can go to uh, our website, murrayfinancialgroup.com, and right on the home page, you just click the complimentary uh, button, and um, it gets you your uh, instant download. Um, the white paper is titled, Will the Biden Presidency Influence Stock Markets? Talks about, you know, paying too much in taxes in retirement. Um, the, the impact on the stock market, what's going to happen to certain investment classes, uh, economic recovery, 
a lot of those very, very important issues. And uh, like I said, it's a, it's an instant download. You just click on get my copy and it goes right to uh, your email. Now, a lot of people will uh, print that, make notes, and then want to talk with us about it and say, hey, you know, this is what I was thinking or how do you think we're set up or hey, we need a second opinion because, uh, you know, especially now we're feeling a little uneasy, that kind of thing. So you can use it uh, in that fashion as well. Just go to murrayfinancialgroup.com and uh, and you can get that. So uh, that does it for us. Um, again, happy Mother's Day to all you moms and grandmoms, aunts, sisters, nieces, everybody out there. All you ladies, thanks for, uh, you know, just for being great moms. I mean, my mom, you know, happy Mother's Day to my mom and my wife and um, my mother-in-law and my aunts. I mean, they just, when you, you know, we're, we're going to have a big picnic at our house uh, tomorrow. And um, it's great when you sit back and look at and think about and give credit to these ladies that have just done a phenomenal thing in in our lives you know and they continue to keep doing it so enjoy your day ladies and have a great mother's day i'll talk with you on the morning news express uh, that's weekday mornings live call with uh bob miller and ryan hedrick and we do that at 5 50 6 50 7 50 a.m every weekday morning talk about uh top news what's going on that kind of thing um preview the day and then next uh Saturday, we'll be right back here uh, talking about um, what happened over the week, summarizing things, letting you know what's coming down the pike, uh, what to be looking out for. Again, just to help explain things, just to, you know, to add value. That's that's what we want to do. That's what we've been trying to do on the program for over 24 years, and we will continue to do so. Um Like I said, I hope you have a great Mother's Day. Everybody enjoy the weekend. This is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success. Well, my baby, she's a fussing and a cussing as I'm packing the truck. Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com. News Radio 930. WFMD Frederick. A connoisseur media radio station. 7 o'clock.